0: Welcome to The Way. My name is Joel Fisher. I'm one of the teaching elders, if you happen to not know me. Glad you guys are here. What we do on a week-after-week basis is we teach chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse through the Word of God. This week we are in 1 John chapter 5 today. Uh, We're probably not going to make it all the way through. Um, So let me get to the top of my notes here. As um, Tom mentioned, I really encourage you guys today. We we invest in this day and we have set aside this day so that we can spend some time as a family and not be rushed out of the Y. Obviously, if you're new here today, we, we meet at the Y. We're a mobile church currently, so we set up tear down at the Kernersville Y, but um, that doesn't give us much time to fellowship and hang out. So once a quarter, we try to get together and just fellowship, hang out here. So I encourage you. After we eat, there's going to be games. There's going to be availability to pray with each other. Whatever, just just come and hang out, and let's build relationships with one another, just to get to know each other. Okay, so um, memory verse for this month: First John four four. It doesn't have to be a you know something that is a a hard thing that you do. We we encourage every ministry we have here. That you, that you do the, that memory verse in your ministry. I would encourage you during the month that we're doing a particular memory verse that you, every morning, you just read that memory verse. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It, it just helps to seed God's word in your heart so that you have it uh, wherever you are, uh, wherever you need it. It's 1 John 4, four is the memory verse. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4.4. 4. One more time. Ready? 1 John 4.4. 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who's in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4.4. 4. And yes, I do read it when I'm up here because as you know, the last, <laughs> if I try to do it from memory up here, it goes for some reason. I don't know why. But um, all right. If you need a Bible... Raise your hand. Do we have, actually, did we bring the Bibles today, Ms. Jema? Not sure we brought, okay, so on your phone today, uh, in, <laughs> in, if you don't have a Bible, you're stuck to your phone, and I cur- encourage you on the Bible app to switch to New King James Version. We study out of the New King James Version here. It'll just help you to, to when, when, I, when I read scripture, it'll help you to follow along with that scripture. We're not, we're not saying there aren't other uh, good translations, but that's the one we teach out of. All right, so there are some repetitive themes in First in First John. Uh, we've kind of come to, and those themes are are continued on. Here's again, this is John, the Apostle John, who was 16 ish when he started following Jesus in person, right? And then now at this point he's 90 ish. He's been following the Lord for a long time, and so he's he's writing down. This is how you live as a Christian. And this is what 1 John 5 is, is how do you live as a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? How do you live? And the common themes that are repeated throughout this this chapter are love God and love one another. It's, it's that simple. Love God and love each other as a body. That we should be intentional about those two things. Intentional about loving one another as, as a body. That's part of what this family day is. How, how do you love people if you don't really know them all that well? And so want to we want to break down those walls that... A lot of us kind of pass on a weekly basis, and we don't really have much interaction during the week. And so, one way to get past that is today, family day. That's the first step. And then, home fellowship group, that's another step. To get into a small group of people that you're meeting with on a consistent basis outside of a, a big group that you can, you can be open and, and intimate with and, and able to share the things going on, ask the questions you have, get prayed for. It's critical. Love God and love one another. Sin is not part of who you are as a believer. If your faith is in Christ, a common theme in this, in this book is sin is not part of who you are. There's, there's, he also gives you what to do when you do sin, but it's not part of who you are. You're no longer walking that as an identity. Uh, how to know if I'm saved? How do we know if we're saved? He gives several different tests in this book, how to know you're saved. And then the, the, the final kind of theme is, is continue and abide. It's this idea of just continue, just abide. Just, just continue walking with the Father. Just continue pursuing this active, this idea of an active faith. It's not a, I made a confession of faith one Sunday morning somewhere, and that's it. It is a continuing, abiding walking in Him. Okay, let's read First John chapter five. Um, we're going to read through nine. Uh-oh. Oh. I forgot my glasses. Thank you, dear. And My wife can't read. <laughs> First John chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments Are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, uh, Lord, for your word, I thank you, God, for this day. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts uh, to to deeper understanding of what your word says, uh, Lord. That we can be changed wherever we are right now with you, whether we are yours and uh, abiding in you and have active faith, or or whether we don't know you yet. I, I do pray, God, you would all draw us closer to you, that that we would um, come to your word humbly. Uh, ready to receive, uh, not not full and unable to receive. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Verse one. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten. So Jesus is the Christ. Whoever believes Jesus is the Christ. So this is a, a critical thing. This is how we come to know Christ. This is how we're born. When we look at this born here, the Bible describes us each individually as when we were born of the flesh, we were born dead spiritually. And so when we, when we put our faith to Christ, in Christ, we then are born spiritually. And this is the idea of born again, right? It's a christian term that gets made fun of in our culture, but that's the idea is born a second time. I was born physically. At some point, I put my faith in Christ. I'm born spiritually. I'm born again, right? Born a second time. And In order to do that, it's here's what, it, what it's talking about. Those who are born of God, excuse me, Christ is born of God, but we'll talk about that later, is um, whoever believes Jesus is Christ is born of God. So what is what is Jesus? What is who is Jesus? What is Christ? And we you sometimes hear Christ Jesus, you sometimes hear Jesus Christ. Obviously, we know that 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 is his name is Jesus. His title is Christ. Jesus is a is a translation of a translation of a translation. So it was Yeshua in Hebrew translated to Isus in Greek, translated to Iesus in Latin translated to Jesus in English. So that's how we came across our word. Hebrew, Greek, Latin don't don't have a, a J in their language. So we have we have a that's how we came to, to Jesus. Um, and you can kind of in Latin languages like Spanish Jesus, you don't hear you don't hear that hard J either. So that's that's how we came to why do we call him Jesus? This is Jesus, he was Yeshua. Yeshua means the Lord. Yah, the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation, is what that means. And in he in a direct translation from Hebrew to English, Yahshua is our modern-day Joshua. Jesus would have been called Yeshua by his parents, right? That's what he would have when when Mary was calling calling him in for breakfast or lunch, he would be, she would have been calling him Yeshua. There's nothing wrong, obviously, with us calling him Jesus. There's people out there who will, oh, it's heretic to call it, no, it's just what, what it translates to in our language. It's his attributes that, that are the most, most important that the Lord saves, right? Okay, So Christ is then a similar thing. Christ is Mashiach in, in Hebrew, which translates directly to Messiah, right? Anoint, the anointed one, the chosen one. Um, Mashiach, translate to Greek is Christos, translate to English as Christ. So that's our Jesus Christ, right? And that, that means the anointed one. That means the chosen one. That is who, who he is uh, from a biblical perspective. And we're not going to get too deep in that, but Isaiah 42.1 is a, is a messianic verse speaking of the Messiah to come. Not necessarily Jesus' name written here, but it's speaking of the Messiah to come, the Christ to come. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Anybody know who the Gentiles? No. Are you an idol worshiper? We are not Gentiles. We are not Gentiles. And that's become a common thing in our culture is that we are we're Gentiles. No, we're Gentiles are idol worshippers. If you if you are a worshiper of idols, you're a gentile. But if, if not, you're not. So this now this is that is common in our lingo that we identify ourselves as as Gentiles. We are not. We we have become grafted in. If you are a follower of Christ, you are part of his family. You are no longer outside of outside of his family. All right, same chapter a little bit down there, 42, 6 through 7. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from from the prison who sit in the darkness from the prison. Every single one of us, at one point, before we were spiritually born again, born a second time, we did worship idols. And we think of that as a gold thing that we're bowing to, right? But that's not what, what the Bible is necessary describing as idols. Those are idols, yes. But it's anything that we put in in the place of God in the priority that he should be in. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves... If we say that Jesus is Lord, the anointed one, we truly believe that, he deserves the number one place. If... if I think Steve said it, and D.A. reiterated, in our modern lingo, we would say he's the boss. We call him Lord in scripture, but in our modern, it's boss. And you do what your boss tells you to do, sometimes. (laughs) But, But in this case, he's not just boss, right? He is Lord God Almighty, more than just a boss. So that's as far as I'm digging in right now into who Jesus is. Um. And if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Holy Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you are born of God, born again, as I said, right? Um, This believe here, it's important though to understand this believe because we have a weird concept of believe in our culture. And I don't know if you've seen, uh, I mean, people have them hanging on the wall all over there. You'll, You'll see them if you Log into Facebook. Every other post is believe, have faith, believe, have faith. So, you can you want to throw those pictures up there, Leah? There, you've seen these things, and we're not talking uh, the biblical idea of belief is not this simple belief in some nondescript thing. It is the biblical idea of belief. Here, we don't just kind of oh, I like I like the name Jesus. I believe in Jesus, right? It's it is a I have wholeheartedly put I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is the Christ, and he is capable of doing what the scripture says he is able to do. He's capable of, of me f- fulfilling, me putting my faith in him. And We're going to talk a little bit in a minute what, what it looks like to put your faith in things where it doesn't belong, but um, there is enough evidence for anybody willing to believe, but it is not head knowledge that saves. It is wholeheartedly placing your trust in Jesus. There's enough evidence for anyone willing to believe. That's the key there. Anyone willing to believe, but it is not head knowledge that saves. It is wholeheartedly placing your trust in Jesus. There's a there are many people who will never find enough evidence to follow Christ. It's not because there's not enough evidence. There, there is lots and lots and lots of scriptural evidence. There's lots of historical evidence to prove that Jesus is who he says he was, that the scriptures that we have now are, are reliable. There's tons of evidence of that if you're willing to believe it. If you're not willing, it's not, not going to happen. So that if you're not a believer in here, that's what I would encourage of you is. You can't fake that. I'm not telling you fake it till you make it. I'm saying be willing. Have have your heart open. To be taught, not closed to be, to you can't hear any of this. I, every, no matter what is said, that's just not enough. That's that's the unwillingness. Verse one and two. All right, whoever. I want to re- reiterate one. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. You cannot love God and not love Jesus. You cannot love God and not love Christians. That can be hard sometimes. It can, it can be difficult to love your brother sometimes. it can be. We're all fallen. We're all annoying in some ways. We all you know the enemy gets in there and plays with mixed messages and even if somebody's not doing something wrong the enemy can mess things up and we we start to believe things about one another that that aren't true and so we we've, we've got to be we've got to be intentional not about not just about um, loving God but also those who are here who are begotten of God right they are they are born again begotten of him Verse 3, for this is the word of God that he keeps his commandments. For this is the word of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, It is easy because he enables us to do it. When you are walking with Christ, his burden is easy because he enables you to do it. Not because everything he asks us to do is easy, but because he's there because he's given you the faith if you're walking with him. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. That whatever there is generally translated something like a whoever or a whosoever um, is born of God, overcomes. And it's important to understand that in, in this context that, that, that we must have faith and that faith is th- that how we overcome. So we overcome the world by faith. It is also the evidence that we have overcome, right? Faith is the way that we have victory. What is faith? These are the, these are the things, that, again, that the faith, the just, just believe, the I got to have faith. <laughs> um, little George Michael here. So the, what is faith? It's it's not. It is putting into action what you believe, right? Um, and in 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 the church, we have a tendency to have something called a prosperity gospel. Even if we're not a church that is that preaches what's called a prosperity gospel, it's the I- idea that I get to, if I really believe the thing that I want, I just name it and claim it. Right, and that and that's not what God is talking about here. It, it is, faith is taking the belief that is true and taking actions on that belief. Like, it can be taking a belief that's false and taking actions on that on that belief. But faith is faith is taking what you believe, and now you're doing something with it, right? And there, and truth be told, there are things in this world that can carry you a little while believe in yourself have faith in yourself right that that can get you a little a little way, little way right if if you're if you just hate yourself and you have no self confidence that's a different t- subject but if you and you're just stunned by this inability to do anything you can put faith in yourself and get beyond that but what you put what you're putting your faith into has to be able to uh, do what you're believing it is able to do all right so Hebrews 11: 1 now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things unseen substance there means the confidence really the confidence of things hoped for okay so what does that really mean okay a Roman officer if in in uh, Matthew 8 if you remember this with the paralyzed servant Matthew 8 5 through 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came and he pleaded with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. And this is in occupied Israel. A, a high-ranking Roman officer speaking to a homeless Jew, right? So there is a lot of humility that came out of this. This, this is on behalf of his servant. So this, this, is, this is who the centurion is. Lord, I am not worthy, speaking to a homeless Jew, that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word My servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another come and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does. And when Jesus heard, he marveled and found and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. The centurion didn't know much about Jesus. He'd probably heard about what Jesus was doing. He heard about the fact that Jesus was healing people and that he had the power to heal. But he believed that so much that he, that he humbled himself, came to this homeless Jew on behalf of his servant to ask. We don't know how much he believed. We don't know that, but he believed and he put it into action. And that was the faith that, that that Jesus commends here, and so I don't know where, what you believe right now about Christ. There, there's we can we can come to Christ with a very simple: whoever believes in, believes Jesus is the Christ. But there's lots more that of the attributes of Jesus that are true and important. And as you grow in the Lord, you 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 then believe those too it just requires that we put our faith in the one who is able to save that makes sense the one who is able to save all right a little example of this so my daughter and uh, my adopted daughter they went skydiving this past year right and so a good example of the difference between um i say my adopted daughter not because i'm separating it's She's not really my daughter. She's just at the house all the time. So, my my adopted daughter, um, they, Leah's best friend. They went skydiving and they they believed when they when they decided to do it that they'd be okay. The parach, the parachute would would save them. They they believed and they went and bought the tickets. The parachute would save them. They believed when they got there that morning and got training that the parachute would be fine. Right, they believed that. When they went up on the plane, hey, this parachute's going to work. When they stepped out of that door, that's faith. It's no longer, I'm no longer believing in that. I have now put my faith, my whole life is now trusting in this belief that I had. And that's what Christ is asking of us. That's what God is telling. It's not just a mental belief. It's I'm putting my everything into this. He's boss. He's Lord of my life, of every decision I make, of everything I do. Is he Lord or is he not? And again, the centurion, going back to him, could have put that exact same belief. He could have gone to Caesar and asked, Will you heal my servant? And Caesar, a very powerful man, a lot of people believed him to be God his servant would not have been healed. He didn't have the power to do that. So your your faith needs to be placed in something that has the power to do what you believe they can do. So misplaced beliefs and and amazing faith aren't going to get you there. It's who do you have your faith in? What do you have your faith in? As, As my example here, I can have, right? I can have all the faith that I want that this thing can carry my Slim figure. Hey, that's not funny. I can, I can, I can believe it is going to carry my weight. I got faith. I'm, I'm going to have faith and step out onto it, right? Right? It's not, it's not capable of carrying that load, right? Same. If I break, if I break this one, then we're in trouble. Was yeah. Same load, same gap that needs to be spanned, same belief, same faith. It's able to carry the load. And this is why it's so, so important that we think about, that we that we read God's word, we come to know who He is. It's, it matters who He is, it matters who we put our faith in. It's just not, I've got faith in what? In you? in the government and what do you have faith in there's going to be a day that we stand before god that we every one of us will stand before our maker and there's going to be a gap to bridge right and and what is going to get us across this gap is it my goodness that little stick i did a lot of good things for you lord You recall there's there's gonna be many who say, Lord, Lord. They're saying with their mouth, Lord, Lord. And his response will be, I never knew you. They were doing good things on behalf of the Lord. Is your faith completely in him or what you're doing for him? What you he has taken care of it all. He is that parachute. He is the one that saves. Nothing we do can do it. But, the, but it is the the walking, it's, it's the evidence of us truly believing he is Lord, truly believing he is God, truly believing he is my creator, truly believing I'm relying on him. The evidence that we truly believe that is the, the faith to walk in that, not to just be consumed with our own things. Consumed with our, we all have to work. Not saying we don't work, right? We all have bills to pay. We all have kids to take care of. We all have things we have to do. But who, who, and what is primary in your life? And that, those are the idols that Scripture would talk about. What, what are you really wasting? I, I like, I like comfort. I like food. I like money. Uh, respect. I don't know what that is for you, or what they are for you. I know the ones I struggle with that I have to intentionally. Nope, I'm not worshiping that. I'm worshiping Jesus. Because there's a, there are things in my own heart that I struggle with uh, that might be hanging over my belt that, that are, right? Those, those, those evidence of things that I struggle with. So I'm not saying you guys, I'm saying, guys, there's something in your life and it, and it may not be outwardly visible. Everything may be perfectly put together on an outward picture, but there's something going on in your life that, 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 is, that could be an idol, that could be taking the place of where Christ should be in your life. Verse six. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. One reason that I like the New King James um, and the King James is the text that they use to be be translated from, but if, if you'll notice... If you've got a paper bible, you have footnotes on this scripture. Uh, there there are actually Leah, go ahead and put up that um, the little chart. It's quite a eye chart. You might might or might... It's down a little ways. I skipped. I'll go back up. All right. So Um, so, so in when you're, I'm trying not to get too crazy here. So, so in when you're talking about ancient documents, right? And the Bible is an ancient document uh, written between 45ish and 90ish AD. Um, so, when you're talking about ancient documents, there are autographs, right? Those are the original document that somebody, the original author wrote down, and then there are manuscripts. Manuscripts are copies of that original document, right? And so they didn't have a Xerox copier. They didn't have email. They didn't have Word document. They didn't have any of that, right? So they they would literally, they would take the autographs and there would be scribes that faithfully copied those Copy those letters, uh, and they'd make four copies, and those four copies would go to four different cities, and the monasteries in those cities would, those guys would make copies. I'm just using four as a, you know, they would make copies, and those copies would go to different cities, and we, and so we hear when you have people that criticize the Bible, well, it's like the telephone game, right? And if you guys know what the telephone game is, is you sit around in a circle and you tell tell one person on one end, you know some some sentence and they tell the next person, they tell the whisper in their ear, tell, right? They tell down the line and by the time it gets to the last person, totally, usually has nothing to do with the original thing that was said, right? And so critics of, of the scriptures like to claim that that is what this is like, that that is what the scriptures are like. And, and the blessing that we have is that we have literally... 5,600 manuscripts in the New Testament, nothing even remotely like that in ancient documents. The closest we have there is Homer. And if you see that Homer was written in 900 BC, the earliest copy is 500 years later. The earliest copy manuscript that we know about is 900 years later. If you look at the New Testament, the earliest manuscript copy we have is less than a hundred years after the original were written down right and we have 5600 of them and when you take all of them combined they are 99.5% identical right so there's so what about this 0.5% well the vast majority of that 0.5% are minor grammatical things that don't really don't matter at all right they don't they don't have much they don't change what a sentence says you know in in our in our thought you could think a comma comma's missing or they they Switch out minor words, so the vast majority of that 0.5 percent difference falls into that category. This one verse right here, verse seven, is one of the significant, you know, controversial verses. And the, the reason I bring it up is because if you if you read your scripture, the vast majority of English translations won't have this uh, from uh, after heaven to right before earth right after Earth, they won't have that in the Bible. New King James and King James have it. And they're, they're, even in New King James and King James, they'll have a footnote that says most, the earliest manuscripts don't have this copy. And you say, oh no, why, why is it in here then? So the, the truth is though, the earliest whole manuscripts we have, which is what they're referring to, are, are from about 400 AD, about 300 years after the autographs were written. And you would think the earliest is always going to be the most accurate, correct? Well, that's not necessarily true because we have, outside of manuscripts, we also have writings, um, notes, letters, sermons from the early church fathers in which contain all of scripture. So even if we lost all the manuscripts, we have very early writings, just like I have here. I have tons of Verses in my notes here. Well, there were pastors back in the first, second, third, fourth, every century that have tons of notes, and they wrote these things down. And and really, they're writing letters mostly, but they they wrote these down. We have every, we have all of the New New Testament in notes written by early church fathers. And so, while 400 A.D. is these two copies that we have are missing this little chunk of scripture we have many, many, many early church fathers, their notes and letters from way before this 400 AD that have that verse in it, just like other later manuscripts have it. So not we can all guess what happened with these two particular manuscripts. Probably somebody left that verse out, and that's the one that got copied into these two manuscripts, and somehow those got saved. But the point being is that this verse is meant to be in here. It was there from the early times. That and that's one argument. And if you want to check my notes, I'll I'll have them online. There's a defending First John five seven article. It's super long, but there are many many arguments. That's just the one that jumps out to me as the the most duh. Um, so it's there are many arguments that that um, stand for this being. An, a critical verse, a verse that was in Scripture in the original autographs, and so we don't need to. I mean, one thing we need to understand is the Word of God is inspired and trustworthy. The footnotes are not; but they're not just not. And this, and it's um, be careful how I say this, but there, Satan is always trying to get people to not trust God's Word if, what is the very first temptation? The very first temptation. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? There's a lot of first mention when you study scripture, the very, right? The very first temptation we have, did God really say that? And so it's, it's important to understand that Satan uses that tactic over and over and over to send people to hell. Did God really say that? So we can trust his word. We can trust what it says. And the and the amazing part about this particular verse here, it is the best. It nothing about it teaches anything that's not elsewhere in Scripture. So it's not like it would be a little weird if this was this verse here, and it's something that's not quite in the rest of Scripture. We don't see that anywhere else. But the, the, the truths that are in this verse, and I'll read those words here in a sec. Sorry. Maybe I'll read those words. Um, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, and there are three that bear witness on earth. So th- those words um, are the are the most clear and concise scripture we have on the on the Trinity, on the, de- on the on the on the oneness of the Holy Spirit, on the oneness of the Father, and the oneness of the Son, all in one. Because the Word. Is, is is a um, the way that John has a tendency to call Jesus in the beginning was the word right first John he likes to use that so here he here he uh, swaps out the son with the word so this is a this is a this is something that be careful right? this this is why the new King James is is such a good scripture that even though it has a you know the 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 modern authors, the modern editors that put it together, put put um, footnotes in there. It is still a very trustworthy translation. ESV is good. There's other translations that are good, but you know, not saying they're they're bad translations. Just this is one that I like for sure. There's deeper study, like I said in the in my notes that that we'll post if you want to go a little bit deeper. Verse 8, there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. How much and how often do we believe the witness of men if they have a lab coat? or a NASA shirt, or an you know, MD after their name, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But how often do we believe what they say? And yet when God says something, when God speaks, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really going to move on that. I don't know if I'm really going to... How, how much do we react to what the government does, to what um, the culture pushes on us? If we receive the witness of men who tend to lie, who tend to be faulty, who tend to just don't know the whole truth, shouldn't we receive the witness of God, which is greater, which is so much greater? For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. Go back to eight just for a minute. There are three that bear witness to the earth: the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. And so it's the spirit. When you are, when you have given your life to Christ, when you're walking in faith with him, the spirit is testifying in your heart, Jesus is Lord of my life. I know that Jesus is Lord. You you know that in your heart that's one of the, the the witnesses to you is that the spirit of God will testify no I, I I know I know this not that I don't stumble not that the not that the enemy doesn't throw in doubt but you know that's one of the the spirit testifies in your own heart you know the other witness the water there is a there when we get saved and we're not we're there's no, there's no salvation wrapped up in the act of baptism, but that act of dying to yourself, raising again, you're, you're going in the water, raising up again, that becomes a moment in time where you died to the whole world, you're raised up again to Jesus, and that becomes a, a, a testimony in your own heart, a witness in your own heart. I, what, what, what would make me do that? Why in the world would I do that? I believe what the Lord is doing in my heart. I believe the Spirit is telling me Jesus is Lord. And to show the world that, I, I, I was baptized, dying to my old self, uh, raising again to new. And then in uh, and the three, the third is the blood, right? And so, what is this talking about? I believe it's talking about um, the communion. This is the one thing that God has left us. As a as a something we should do consistently as a body, the one right, if you will, that, that we as, as biblical Christians should be doing on a regular basis is that communion. And when you when you have that cup and you and you have that bread and you're thinking about he was broken for me, right? His blood was shed for me. That should be a memory and, a, and, a, and an examination point of, he did this for me. And at that point, are you, is it about, are you confirming at that point that your faith is in him or is it just an empty rit- ritual? Man, everybody else is doing it. I'm just throwing it back. It shouldn't be an empty ritual. It should be a, a very solemn time of examining your own heart. Is, is this taking of the body of Christ, it's not physically his body, the drinking of the, of the fruit of the vine, not physically his bu- blood, but a representative of his blood. Is that um, triggering in me that Jesus is my Lord, of what he's done for me? Does it trigger shame? Does it trigger, you know, just whatever, I'm just doing this because everybody else is doing this? It should trigger in you. A thankfulness of God, of, rem- of remembering what he's done and is doing in your life. All right. Uh, Dakota, will you go ahead and come up? We're gonna, if, guys, if you want to go to and hand out the communion elements. And as I said, there's a lot of in First John, John period, there's a lot of repetition. So it, it, it is going back over. And, it, and it, I want you to kind of think of this repetition in the fact that this is the most advanced Christian that there has ever been, right? And he is painting these different ideas with different brushstrokes so that we can fully understand. He just simply wants us to walk with him. He, he he sorry, John wants us to walk with Jesus and he simply is giving all this is like, I'm probably gonna die soon. I need to children, I need you to understand these things. And so he goes over and over to love God and love one another, that sin is not part of who you are as a believer. And other parts of this same chapter kind of cover those things. How do you know if you're saved? How do you know that? Does God testify that in your heart? Does the Spirit testify that do you know? You know. Now is when that can be changed. There will be a day when we step in front of the Father that that can't be changed anymore. As I said, I think the last time, is, it's... Scripture is... There, there's many times that it doesn't leave an opportunity for you to just feel comfortable... In rejecting Christ. And and I I don't want to steer away from that. If we if you're not believing in Christ yet, if you have not put your faith fully in him yet, that's that's okay. We're not trying to manipulate you or scare you into it. There's nothing we can do about making you believe. I'm just asking, will you continue to be willing to search? Continue to be willing to have your heart open to him and to be changed. He is king. He is creator. He is Lord. He's the anointed one. Is he your Lord? Is he your king? He's your creator. He gets to choose. The rules are his, not ours. Well, I don't like the way this is. He's the creator. The creator gets to pick how things work. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it it is more than just a prayer, but but it starts with just a prayer. It starts with just an acknowledging. Thank you, brother. It starts with just an acknowledging of my brokenness, that I can't get there without him, that there's a gap between my sinful heart and being able to stand in front of the Father, righteous. Righteous. The Bible tells us that no sin can be in the presence of the Father. So if I'm carrying sin, I can't be there. So how do I get there? And Jesus is the one who covered that gap. He's the one who was able to cover that expanse by who he is, by what he's done, by what he did on the cross, by being the anointed one of the Lord. Would you believe? If you want to start that today or just want to pray with me, I encourage you to pray something like this, but this is the first step. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. Lord, help me to see my sin as the offense it is to you. That I give you myself. And I ask you for your son. I ask you for forgiveness. Father, please forgive me. In Jesus' name. Amen.